Yo, yo, we are back with voice memos with Mitch. Um, Guys, we got the mic. If you can hear me clearly now, it's because we got the mic. We went from recording on, you know, voice memos on my iPhone to now we have a whole mic. We're stepping up in the world. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, actually, all the time and just giving me feedback. I really appreciate it, you know. Thank you for you guys reposting. Uh my podcast if you guys could keep reposting i really would appreciate it but i'm so happy guys we got the mic and as i promised i said i was going to deliver you guys some banger stories so we got the mic there's no excuses i'm delivering you guys banger stories and today we will be talking about me how i grew up some of the stuff that i've gone through and just different things that have shaped me to the person that I am today. Um, I just also want to just tell you guys that it's been a great day for me. Um, I know this quarantine thing like has been killing our vibes and stuff. But today was Cinco de Mayo. And it was so lit, bro. It might have been one of my best days on quarantine. I wish I could have celebrated more, you know, by being out with my friends and being outside. And stuff, but we can't. So we made the most of it. Um, I had a girl in my class who was talking about her food truck. She had a she had a food truck. It was called the Taco Box, and we wanted some tacos later on that day. Um, but Hudson Valley Tacos was out of tacos. I remember that she said something about her food truck. So shout out to her. And we went, got some good tacos. It was delicious. I'll give it a four stars. And the reason I give it four stars is because it was so busy that they only had one type of taco which sucked but it was a delicious if i got to try more i probably would give it a five stars but it was amazing if you guys you know try that out taco box it's on broadway if you're ever in the city of newburgh but let's get right into this story about the life of mitch kernazan I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. It's September 18, 2002. Anna and Michelle Kernison. Um, those are my real parents. I refer to my brother and sister as, like, mom and dad because, like, they raised me for a little bit, so, like, they're sort of, like, the closest things as a mom and dad, like, I have right now. Um, I'll get into that later. So I was born to Anna Fernalise and... Michelle Kernazan, and I was born around a time where Haiti had just come off uh, like sort of a dictatorship um, who had left the country in ruins. They had dismantled the military. There was no money. There was just a lot of poverty going around. There was a lot of people running around not knowing where the next meal was or you know, it was going to happen. So it led to a lot of crime. You know, there was a lot of kidnapping going on, kidnapping people for money. There was a lot of people just dying for a plate of food or dying get shot for just a couple dollars it was just a lot of stuff that you didn't want to see as a kid and like you were just you know forced to cope with growing up um and it was hard uh, no lie I remember there was days that I would hide under my bed and my mom would be like, don't come out. Or, or there was days that we would flee and go to my grandmother's and or my um, 
aunt uh, that's in Haiti or my other, you know what I'm saying, friends and family that we could just go and stay there for a while. And I had an older sister, Moana and Paulson, and they were sort of like my guardian angels. They made sure I ate. They made sure, you know, everything had clothes, everything that I needed, they got. And, you know, they always got my back. Moana's like, she loves me to death. She, you know, she, it, it, it was like, uh, it was a pleasure just having her as my sister. Um, she always used to wake up so early because her job was she had to go get water. Um, well, she used to walk probably miles, get water, bring it back. And, you know, it would be like on her head. She had to bring back water for miles walking with it on her head. It was heavy. And if she didn't do that, we wouldn't have, we won't have, like, we wouldn't have water to bathe with, water to shower. Like in Haiti, there's no, you don't just go into the shower and your water comes on. No, like you have to get a bucket and shower with that bucket of water. And you also have to make sure that that bucket of water lasts you that day. So your showers will probably be really short. Um, and then you would use that bucket of water to cook food with, to wash your dishes, clothes, all that. And that was really my life. Um, Haiti was cool, man. Like, for me, I think, besides the violence and everything that was going on, I think it was cool. I learned a lot, you know. I met a lot of good friends, had a great time in Haiti. Uh, I remember even, you know, there were some nights that it was hard to live there because we wouldn't know when our next meal was coming. We wouldn't know um, if we were going to walk outside and get kidnapped or shot to death. (laughs) It was was hard. I remember sleeping on the floor with, um, you know, sometimes I used to sleep on the floor and me and my brothers would take turns. Uh, It was my my mom. My mom had a bed. And we would take turns. So one night, it will be my turn to sleep on the floor. Next night, it's my brothers, my sisters, and we just take turns. And at that time, we also had, like, a lot of family members that lived with us. Um, and the only reason why a lot of family members lived with us is because it was just easier to put all your money together as one family than to separately live by yourself. So a lot of, like, my aunt... Nicole, Nicole in American, Michelin, and a couple, and, you know, my uncles used to live with us. So they would be in this small little house. There would be like six, seven people. Um, and it was honestly, it was crazy because it was overwhelming, but it was cool because it was always something to do. Like, my, I always had somebody to talk to. Like, it was always funny. And in Haiti, what what families would do is sometimes a family member would send their kids to go live with another family member. And a lot of our family members did that because of how we had such a huge family. Like, a lot of my aunts, and we all used to pitch in for money and stuff. And they used to send family members to live with us because it was a lot easier for them than, than to provide because if they stayed they wasn't going to be able to provide for them and you know it would just be not an idealistic situation for that family so they would send them to either our house and or my mom would try to take care of them to the best ability 
but she tried, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some times where we, sometimes we didn't eat or we had to find stuff to eat. We used to eat dirt cookies. Like, a lot of people make fun of me for, like, with the dirt cookies, but, like, in all honesty, like, it's, I really did used to eat dirt cookies sometimes if we didn't have any, some, if we didn't have anything to eat. So that's really, you know, there's some more stories that I have in Haiti, but those are for some other time. So around a young age, um, I used to see a lot of my friends die or get shot or we have to bury them and it sucked. And I remember one time after a funeral uh, that we had was one of my close friends and I just remember my mom just being fed up with just everything. And I remember coming home from the funeral. I used to actually help at the church. Uh, so the church was a, literally across the street from my house. Like literally, if you look to your right, the, there's a church right there. And I used to help out after. So after the memorial, I was helping out. And I came home and my mom is washing a lot of clothes, like all my clothes. And I only have like five to six pairs of clothes, you know what I'm saying? Because in Haiti, you have a going out pair of clothes, a clothes that you wear every day, church clothes, school clothes. And those were like your designated outfits. You wore your everyday clothes. Literally, that's why they're called everyday clothes. You wore them every day. Uh, You washed them probably once or twice a week. And that's about it because water was scarce. And she's washing all my clothes and I'm just confused because I'm like, like where, where are we going? Because she usually does laundry every like two weeks. Now in Haiti, laundry is hand washed, so she does laundry like everybody's laundry every like two weeks. So, and she usually has a day for it, and it wasn't that day. So automatically, I knew something was off. She's washing laundry, but it's just my clothes. That's how I knew something it was weird. It's just my clothes, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, we're probably going somewhere. Uh, usually she washed laundry if we're leaving to go to my aunt's if it got too bad in Haiti. So she's washing my clothes and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But, you know, I go outside and play. I forget about it. Next morning, she wakes me up super early and my dad's there. And if you don't know, like my dad didn't live with us. He used to live on his own and stuff. And I used to come visit him as well. And my dad's there and he doesn't usually come if he comes to visit us, he doesn't usually come around that time. He usually comes around, like, noon. And he's there, bright and early with his car. And my mom just has, like, one suitcase. And I'm like, what's going on? So she's like, come on, like, wake up, put your clothes on. She puts on, like, my Sunday best clothes. And I'm like, have no idea what's going on. At this point, I'm confused. I'm scared. As I'm leaving, she says, say bye, say bye to your brothers and sisters. So... I'm saying by my brothers and sisters, they're crying, like, I'm going to miss you, like, uh, be good. And I'm wondering, where am I going that you guys are not going? And it was sad because, to me, I was saying, oh, I'm going to see you guys later, I'm going to see you guys later. And they were just crying, and I did not understand why. So I got in the car, we drove to the airport, now in Haiti. The airport is something that's like a fantasy. Like you hear about it, but like you're not even sure it exists because some like you never like a lot of us don't ever get to make it to the airport. A lot of us don't ever get to see the airport. So to me, the airport was sort of like.
Awkward was something that you heard about, but you never got to see. I heard stories about it from my uncle. And the airport is really places that people went to escape and to leave or to go on vacation and stuff with that family in America. That was what the airport was for. And now here I am. So we go through the airport. We go through the customs. We go through security. All that. And we get to the top and we're waiting. And my mom just has me sitting down. She's talking to my dad. My dad is, you know, talking to her. They're having a conversation. And I'm slowly trying to figure things out. I'm like, we're leaving. I know that we're leaving, but why? My mom comes over. She goes, "Um, I'm going to send you to live with your aunt in Boston. And I looked at her like, my aunt. She's like, I don't think you met her. I don't think you remember her, but I'm going to send you live with her because it's better than being here. And I'm like, are you coming? She's like, no, I can't come with you. At this point, I'm crying. I'm like, mom, why can't you come with me? Is dad going? My dad's like, I can't go right now. I'm like, then who am I going with? And she's like, going by yourself. Um, They're going to have somebody come and they're going to take you. And I'm like, no mom like I can't go and she's like this is the only way like you'll understand as you get older but me being the child that I am I'm arguing I'm like why can't Moana Paulson come with me why can't you come with me and she broke it down to me she was like the way that it works is I'm not a US citizen I can't get my visa uh, Moana and Paulson's dad I was like their dad and she's telling me she's like they have a different father. That's the first. That's when I knew that they have a different father. I never knew that. Like their dad is not a citizen. He's Haitian born. Has never left the country either. But my dad was a U.S. citizen. Uh, my dad got a citizenship when way, way, way back. Um, and side note, my dad's like sixty, <laughs> like fifty. Like he's old. Um, I'll get into that later. And my mom is like, yeah, that's the reason why you're the only one that could go. I'm shook, bro. I'm like, I'm going to America, a place that I've never seen before. I have know nothing about, like, I'm in jeans. <laughs> I'm in a button up and I'm like, bro, where am I even going? And she is just crying I'm, I'm crying too I feel like somebody tapped me I look up this is this white woman now I have never seen a white woman in my life at this point and a lot of you are like no way like what listen in Haiti white people are not really white like their skin color is very very tan like dark and a lot of white people in Haiti speak Creole or they are like dark so we don't consider them to be white and as I got older I saw I was like oh they're actually white but as a young kid they weren't white to you like you know and I saw a pale white woman I 
hiding behind my mom. She's like, no, no, it's okay. Like, this woman, she's gonna, she's gonna be looking after you on the airport. And I'm like, I don't know her. She's my mom. I'm crying. She's like, it's okay. My mom, I will never forget this. She looks me in the eye. She holds my hand. She goes, I'm gonna need you to be strong for me. She goes, one day you'll understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, but mom, why can't you come? She's like, I need you to listen. She's like, you're going. He's like, I need you to be strong. I need you to be responsible. I was like, what? She's like, from now on, it's your duty to look after yourself and conduct yourself in a manner where you won't bring any shame to your family name or shame to yourself. It is your duty now to make something out of yourself so that way you are able to help all of us get out of the situation or better yourself. And I was at that young age. Um, it's a huge responsibility to put on a young child, but I'm glad she did. You know, she's telling me, she's like, you're going to be great one day. You have a story to tell. She's like, I need you to be strong and I need you to make the most out of this um, don't don't waste it and I promised her that day that whatever it was that I would like whatever happened when I go to Emily I was gonna get her out of the situation she's gonna get my whole family out I promise and to this day I will not I'm not gonna break that promise and she cried she gave me a last kiss a last hug and that was the last time, you know, I hugged my mom for a while. I'm going with this white woman. I'm on a plane. I touched down in Boston. So my mom had told me that when I get there, look for my aunt. Give me her name and all that. I'm like, cool. I see my aunt. You know, it's the first time I'm really meeting her. Uh, my mom had given me like a little picture and uh, wrote her name on the back. And when I saw her, I'm like, hey, it's Mitch. She's like, I know. She drives me to the house. This is the first time I meet her kids. So she has two kids. Their names are Chriselle and Moabia. So, Chriselle instantly became sort of a mother figure for me, um, being the fact that I was so far away from, you know, my mom and everybody that she really became um, a mother figure for me. You know, she would take me to school every day. She would wake me up, make me breakfast, make me change, brush my teeth, all that, like a mom would and take my behind straight to school we would walk the walk was pretty long and we would just talk about different things and she really honestly was there for me when nobody else was a kid that you know comes to america that's not near his mother at a young age or his father um not close with him at all and she just took me in like one of her own um she she fun story she actually grounded me she used to ground me sometimes whenever i did like you know stupid stuff as any mother would um at the time chriselle was probably in high school so like imagine a high school is like all right you're grounded like what 
and she woke up every day, <laughs> you know, every night she, she, she picked me up from school or whatever. My aunt used to work a lot, so my aunt would obviously, though, drop me off at school sometimes and pick me up, but Purcell did it a lot because my aunt used to work a lot of jobs to provide for the family. And I remember, you know, Purcell just being there for me forever. Um, as time went by, my dad actually came back to come and get me, as he said he promised. Um, but I sort of didn't want to leave, you know? I had built a bond with Purcell and everybody in Boston that, like, I loved it there. Like, it was home. It was family. Like, I go back often. Like, I love it. But, like, for me to just get comfortable and then for my dad to just be like, all right, we're leaving. Um, it hurt. It was also just... That I was tired of just picking up and leaving, you know? And... He's like, yeah, you're going to go live with your aunt in Spring Valley. Um, So, at this point, you know, there's nothing that I could say that could change his mind. Uh, his mind's already made up for me. And the next day, I'm taking a car drive with my dad to Spring Valley to meet my aunt. We get there. My dad stays for a couple of days. He's like, all right, I got to go. But... I'll be back again. I go, okay. Um, I'm cool. My aunt introduces herself into, into her kids. Uh, so she has two kids, uh, Kimberly and Schneider. And me and Kimberly, we just became like best friends. Uh, I was the, I was older by one year. And, you know, I was sort of the big brother. And for me, this was like, big thing because I've always been the younger sibling uh, so I wanted to make sure I was the best oldest sibling possible so wherever I went she went like vice versa and we just stuck together because we were just really cool uh, all we had was really each other um, you know her mom would work a lot she worked two jobs uh, her dad used to uh, I think be a her dad was a taxi driver and we would just be left in the house a lot of times with her grandma. And her grandma was, my, I think, my step, um, my step grandma, or yeah. But she was like another grandma to me. And we, you know, she took the care of us, fed us, all that. And we used to live in an area where it wasn't so nice. Um, it was a, like probably a one-bedroom apartment type. And we shared a room, um, one TV. Like, we wasn't really allowed to go outside because of how bad the area was. We weren't really allowed to, you know, have fun with other kids, but we had to be inside a lot of the times. And finally, Kimberly's mom got money and saved up and got us, you know, out of where we were. Uh, we went to, like, condo homes type in Pomona area. Now, we loved it. Like, we met a lot of good friends in the neighborhood with them. Like, we used to go bike riding all the time with them. Me and Kim, we used to go bike riding all the time. Uh, Schneider was too young. Like, he couldn't even speak yet. He could barely speak. So, it was, like, hard to, like, we couldn't really include him in, like, a lot of things. 
And yeah, we used to go bike, bike a lot. We used to hang out with a lot of friends. Just typical things, hang on that green thing, like a generator week, bro. Yeah, I don't know about that, but that was the key spot, you know, where we, all of our friends would come hang out. And things were good, like, you know, they weren't the best sometimes, but like I said, you gotta make, make of what you got. And as my dad said, he came back and, you know, he started to explain to me that I have more siblings. Now to me, I'm like, I've never met them. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, on my side, I have more kids. Um, and the reason you haven't really met them is because they're way older than you. You were not even a thought process yet when they were born. Um, and I'm like, how old are they? And he's like, 30s and 40s. At this point, I'm like, whoa. Like, I have a whole, a whole four more siblings that have no clue about me. He's like, we're, we're having, there's a family party, and I want you to come with me. And I want to introduce you to, like, the other side of your family that you never really got to meet. So I'm like, cool. Like, it's going to be cool meeting the new side of family. I'm hyped. I'm a little nervous and scared because this is the first time I meet my other brothers, like, my other brothers and sisters. And... It was weird, honestly. Like, I felt weird. And he came and picked me up. We went. And the party was cool, man. Um, everybody was... I love the side of family. Like, everybody was vibing, music, food. Like, the Haitian food. Like, Haitian culture is just amazing. If you guys ever have Haitian friends, you guys probably know. But if you don't have a Haitian friend, find your Haitian friends. Haitians are amazing. Um, So, we... You know, had fun at the party. I met my step, <laughs> my stepmom, and that was cool, cause I didn't know how to like another like mom type person. I was like, I met my stepmom, and she was like amazing. Uh, she literally treated me like I was one of her kids for like years, and then I met my like first cousin. So like, I had like random people coming like, oh, you're da da da. Look, I'm your first cousin. Like, I, I'm on this side. This is the auntie da da da. da. And my, we have, I have a huge family, like I talk about. My dad has, like, bro, my dad has, like, six to, like, eight siblings. Um, my mom has, like, ten siblings. Like, my family is huge. So, I'm meeting cousins, second cousins, um, grandkids. Like, I mean, like, everybody. And it's weird because, like, <laughs> like these are, like, my re like real family. It felt weird to me. I meet, you know, I meet my brothers and sisters. And... They were cool, like, but it was just weird because I associated uh, brothers and sisters with, like, people that you grew up with, family. Like, for instance, Kimberly, like, I consider that, like, being that my sister. Um, Moana and Paul are, like, my brothers and sisters because they grew up with me, like, that type of, like, I know them, my, like, I, like, I know of them, I built the relationship. Like, these were brand new faces, brand new people that I had to associate with that. And it was tough because, you know, it was like the age difference was huge. So I felt like I wasn't going to be able to make a connection with any of them because they were a lot older than me. They've already gone through life and I was still starting mine. And after the party, uh, it was really cool. I went home and my dad's like, oh, I'll be back again. So he stays and leaves. Uh, and 
a couple weeks later, uh, my young, my older sister, Martina, she actually reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to uh, come over and hang out for a day or maybe? I was like, word? Okay, cool. I went for the day and I'm hyped because like, it's cool over here. Like, We went and did mad things that I've never done and got the experience to do. So I'm sitting there like, wow. And she's like, we could do this often if you want. And I'm like, oh my goodness, of course. I can't take this opportunity now. So I'm over here like, when's she calling? When's she calling? She calls like, again. And she's like, do you want to hang out for the weekend? Or do you want to come over for the week? And now it just become like a thing where like I would go over for holidays, uh, for a couple weeks, just different times, you know? And just see different things. And she like really broadened my horizons. And it was cool. And I remember the fourth, my fourth grade year, uh, had just finished school. And it's the summertime, and I'm about to go to fifth grade. I'm sitting on the couch. And I remember her just being like, do you want to come live with us? And in my head, I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course I want to come live with you guys. Like, and next thing I know, like, I'm packing my bags at Kimberly's crib and I'm leaving. And honestly, it sucked because I wanted to be there for Kimberly, obviously. But the way it was set up, like, after I said yes, my, 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 my sister had to ask my dad and my mom, and my mom jumped at the opportunity. She said, yes, uh, I want you to actually go live with her. Uh, and then my dad was like, oh, yeah, this is the best option. So it just really became out of my hands. Uh, and the only reason why that I might have said, I might have thought about it, like, never mind, is because of Kimberly, because we had developed that brother-sister bond, and I had to leave that away. And, like, we lost touch. You know, I tried to call sometimes, and, you know, as life happens, you get busy and you, you know, it sucked because we lost touch. And eventually, Kimberly actually found me Instagram. She reached out. She's like, oh my gosh, like you were a brother figure to me. Um, I don't know if this is you, but are you Mitch? I was like, oh my goodness. It made me so happy. Um, I was so hyped because I was like, dang, like this was my little sister. And I finally, like she finally found me. So I went to go live with my sister and those were, you know, the times that were these were amazing times for me. Um, I lived there from like fifth grade, sixth grade, around that time, and it was cool. I went to LCA, and like honestly, <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, I mean, as this podcast goes on, I'm obviously gonna talk about you know some stories uh, of that, but that's really uh, the background of of me and how I grew up. And I just want to leave you out with this. Um, I just want to talk to people that have gone through some tragedies and, and some hard stuff. You know, like, just talk to y'all for a second. Um, yeah, I, I understand. It's hard, you know? I get it, bro. <laughs> like, life is really hard. And we don't get to choose our life. Um, we don't. 
know, sometimes I, I think of myself, I'm like, what if I was able to choose how my life, my story happened? And that's when I quickly realized that the person that I am today, the person who I am, would not, I would be totally different. Uh, these tragedies shaped me. And I learned that quickly. Um, and the sooner as I accepted it, the sooner that I just started, like, I was able to just breathe and just feel like, just not mad at the world or anybody. I just became, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not mad anymore. Um, and honestly, what I seen was hard, like, I, like, you know, it's hard to talk about it. But, I feel like as humans, as soon as we, you know, realize and understand where we like our hardships and all that as soon as we accept it and just move on it's the sooner that you are at peace um i feel like the sooner that whatever we've gone through whatever you happened whatever you've gone through it could be whatever as soon as you i know it's hard to accept it. as soon as you accept it you just move on the, like there's no anger anymore <laughs> it, it, it's truly like I, I became at peace with it um and without those tragedies like I said I wouldn't be the person I am like my mom looked me in my eyes and said those things to me it made me be like I gotta set a goal <laughs> I have to get my brothers and sister out of Haiti I gotta get my mom out of Haiti I gotta get my aunts and uncles, my little cousins, make sure everybody is good, um, it made me become that attitude, like, anything I do, I just make sure it's for them, and I put 100% and nothing less, 110% and nothing less, um, I make sure that I don't just think of myself, I think of my mom and everybody, and just, I want to be, like, I want to be set for them. And I just think about all the people that I know personally that died, you know, when I was younger and stuff that I knew that didn't get to live out their dreams. I had a lot of friends that used to be like, I want to do this and the third. And in Haiti, you know, like I said, bad stuff happens a lot. And a lot of them didn't get to make it. And I think about them and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm really living out for. And that's why sometimes I'm really like private about my life and stuff is because it's, it's hard for me to talk about sometimes, but as soon as I accepted it, it was just like, all right, a lot of the anger just left my body. Um, and I was just going to talk to people that, you know, that grew up in a stable home or grew up in not a tragedy-filled life. Um, and for you guys, it's cool. Uh, you don't have to... to come from a tragedy or a rough environment in order to have problems in your life. I feel like that's a big misconception of like people that have grown up in stable environments that they don't have any problems and that's far from it. Like I think grew up half my life was rough, you know, and the other half was stable environment and I've seen both sides of the spectrum. Um, 
you know, being coming from a stable environment, there's so much like people actually go through things. Uh, I understand that they don't they haven't gone through some craziness, but you don't know somebody's demons like something that could be different for you you know that could be hard for you is you know not something that they go through um but something that they go through like you might not even experience because of the tragedies that you've like gone through and a lot of people fail to realize like people that come from a stable environment like they go through the battles too and i hate sometimes when like people from stable environments come up to me and like if i tell them like my story sometimes they'll be like oh like bro you come from like such a crazy background and stuff like bro like my my problem is not as big as yours i'm like no you're lying <laughs> like it might not be it might not sound as bad as mine you know but you have your own problems and it's okay uh i feel like we gotta just stop belittling others problems because they're not as big as yours that's just silly like i feel like sometimes people make it a competition who's gone through harder like who's had more homies killed who's who's seen more deaths like i feel like it becomes a big competition and i'm like for what like what are you trying to prove that you've gone through more pain and more hurt than somebody else like congratulations you deserve a cookie um and i just feel like we gotta stop doing that uh People go through their own stuff and, you know, try to listen. Try to actually understand somebody else's point of view. You never know. Like, it could be something that you're like, wow, I never knew, like, this happened to you. Like, this is how you feel. Like, let's just stop all that, like, competition for who's been in pain more. Nobody likes pain. It sucks. It hurts. Uh, tragedy sucks. And I feel like we just got to all move on and just, you know, try to be positive. Um, and that's that's really what I got for y'all today. Thank you. I know it was long. I know I probably chatted your ear off. But if you're still here, this is that's really what I do it for, bro. For people that actually took the time to listen. If you're still here, thank you. I really appreciate you. Um, and with that, it... I'm off this, bro. Until next time, I got a couple more bangers coming out for you. I might do a little Mother's Day, like, tribute to, like, all the women in my life. Um, I also might, I'm going to drop some more episodes. Uh, to the next episode, actually going to be talking about me tearing my ACL and, you know, like, how that was that whole process. And, yeah, I'm just going to, that's, that's the next topic. Thank y'all for listening. I really appreciate y'all if you stuck around. And deuces.